You've actually sing pretty well. I'm not convinced you knew that song as well as you do some others. But it's a good one. Well, I'll show you a picture of my mom and dad. I hope. That's not a very good picture. Actually, my mother didn't take good pictures. I mean, we told her that, and she knew that. Uh, that's really the best picture we have of her, because every other one, she was making some kind of a face or eating a pickle, actually. <laughs> At one point, that was when she and my dad were leaders of the youth group. Youth group, they called her Pickle because she loved pickles and seemed to always be eating one. But my dad took rather seriously that verse from Matthew 23, 9. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. So we could not refer to my dad as our father. He was dad. That was fine. But we couldn't make reference to him as our father. He took Matthew 23, 9 very seriously. Today, we, in our Advent series, are concentrating on the everlasting Father part of Isaiah's words. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting or Eternal Father. As I said at the beginning of the service, the, the Jews of Jesus' day, that was beyond their comprehension to, to refer to God as Father. That's too personal. You couldn't, couldn't think of God that way, let alone, as Jesus referred to him at the end of his life as Abba, Daddy Father, they couldn't, couldn't comprehend that. But because Jesus said in John 10.30, I and the Father are one, by looking at the life of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, we get a better glimpse of who God is because of what Jesus has shown us. I want to read to you from Luke 10, or Luke 12, I'm sorry. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O little, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you his kingdom. Well, just as human parents, fathers and mothers, have certain responsibilities for their children, so Jesus has taken certain responsibilities as our eternal Father. I want you to be aware of that. He has the responsibility of awareness. Your eternal Father knows what you need. That's what Luke tells us in that 12th chapter. Nothing happens in your life that goes unnoticed by the eternal Father. And I'm not just talking about your physical needs. I don't know whether 
you've ever kept track in your prayer life. But so often, a lot of us end up praying an awful lot for the physical needs of ourselves or our loved ones. And certainly God meets those things. But there are other things. There are emotional needs. There are mental needs and spiritual needs as well. We often pray less about those things, but those needs are every bit as real. Your Father knows. Your Father knows. Your eternal, everlasting Father knows what you need. That's one thing. But the other, another thing is not only that He knows what your needs are, He has the ability to care for them. Luke said, seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. See, it isn't enough for me to tell you that your eternal father knows what your needs are. He also has to have the ability to make a difference in what those needs are. Someone, and I don't know where the quote came from, said, many people live in doubt of God's great ability to care for his people. But I would like to remind you that if God can speak this universe into existence, he can take care of you. He has the ability. Let me show you that with reading a story from Exodus 17. Now this is as the Israelite people have left Egypt. And just because they left Egypt, life wasn't easy for them. First thing, they, they ran out of food, so they started complaining. And they complained to Moses, they should have just left us in Egypt, at least we had stuff to eat there. So God supplied, the ability to supply, gave them manna and quail to eat. Now, in Exodus 17, we read this. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. But Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of the Israelites and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. The staff that Moses always had, he held it in he had stretched it over, out over the Red Sea and the waters departed. And now God's telling him to take that staff and go and hit a rock. The people were thirsty. 
It's an amazing story. Water from a rock. But what does that tell us about the eternal father? It tells us that he has the ability to supply what we need. Now if I took this and gave it to any one of you and said, I want you to go out and start hitting rocks. Chances are you're not going to get water from any of them. Not just by hitting them with this stick. But God supplied it. So I want to affirm to you that our eternal Father sometimes does make water come from rocks. Sometimes miracles do happen. Sometimes things we don't expect do happen. With our eternal Father, all things are possible. Now in the New Testament, what we call miracles, the New Testament often calls wonders or signs. Because they weren't done just to make a situation better. They were done so that the beholder could know who God is. You see, as much as we know of nature, as much as we've learned in the thousands of years since Jesus was born on this earth, we don't know everything. God does bless us with miraculous occurrences, things which are to be seen to draw us closer to who God is. Sometimes miracles do happen. I want you to hear a story of one of those or some of those from one of your own. The Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf at Montego Bay was built for children who are deaf so that they might know the gospel and also become very close to Jesus. at this school, I made 13 trips there, uh, people were always praying for those working and for the children. Every hour, two people read the Bible, said prayers for safety, for well-being, and we needed those prayers. One evening after dinner, there were horrific screams. The tour bus parked at the peak of the hill on which the, skill, the school is built had been hit by a van and had jumped forward and now was on its way downhill, headed for the children's dormitory, and all of those children were outside playing. Two of us charged after that bus thinking, if there's some way we could get there ahead of the bus, get the children out of the way, it wasn't gonna happen. And then there was a miracle. We saw the front tires of that bus make an abrupt right turn, take a new course, and that bus went down a totally different hill and eventually it picked up speed. This was a steep hill. It crashed into our huge pile of concrete blocks. Uh, the bus was destroyed, but not a single person was injured in that accident. God had been at the wheel. It was time to move on to Africa, uh, to Ethiopia, Uganda, Malawi. And the good news is, and this is very good news, Christianity is growing in Africa. And it's just amazing. People will wear uh, necklaces that have the cross, big ones. Or, and this is both men and women. 
And some people have the tattoo of the cross on their forehead. They're very open and demonstrating that they, they love Christianity, they love Jesus. In fact, really interesting was I'd see a sad person uh, when I was looking at his or her eyes, and the complaint would be, I cannot read my Bible, as they shook their heads. We brought hundreds of reading glasses each trip, and fortunately that was taken care of. Uh, another great thing that comes out of this is our staff, our physicians, teach their local medical doctors and students, medical students, the practices that work so well in the United States. And we haul about 23 crates of equipment, and a lot of it's left behind for their use so they can continue what we've done, sustain what's happened. Deborah Burhan in Ethiopia was an interesting place to visit in so many ways. 9,000 feet elevation. One day, we had the chance to travel into the high desert. There were shepherds in the field, guarding their flocks, holding their staffs. It seemed to be the only tool they had. And many times, it was a family group, which relieved me. And they'd sometimes even have a little dog helping them. But other times, it was just children. And that was a heartbreak to see that, all alone, trying to control the animals. And there were so many injuries because these people, it's very physical, they get kicked in the head. We had people who came in, they'd already lost vision in one eye. And that in itself was really a heartbreak. But what was incredible to see that the times were as they were when Jesus was born. Very simple, their homes were piles of rocks and life was, was what it was. And they, when the animals finished eating the scrubby plants that were in one area, they moved them on to another area and they stayed there until everything was consumed. And every day I really feel blessed because I see pictures of my, in my mind of these shepherds in the field. And I think of 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. And it's a wonderful, wonderful memory. I'm wonderful, so grateful that this all happened 2,000 years ago, that we have Jesus. Unfortunately, there's little to no health care in Ethiopia and in the other countries we visited. And what was amazing to think about was for many of these folks, this would be the only time in their entire lives they'd see a dentist or an eye doctor. And it put tremendous responsibility on us to make sure we didn't miss anything, uh, because when they left, they would be gone, and we would not find them if we needed them for any reason. But God opened the door one day for us in giving oral, oral polio vaccines to children in the area, and we went throughout the neighborhood visiting people, uh, homes, and we, we wondered where would we find these youngsters. Younger than age five, God helped us with this, and that suddenly little children showed up from these homes and they took us to see the babies. And they would walk right up to the door and show us where they lived and we'd knock. And we had to be a strange sight. A group of unusual looking people, I'm sure, carrying a cooler, oral vaccines contained in it. Every family welcomed us with great warmth. And so often we were invited into their homes, which was, which was wonderful. And they lived in mud houses that did not smell very good, but they were very proud of their, their dark, homes that were homes for them. And we had one child come to us whom I'll never forget, and he was a young shepherd boy who had fallen off his sheep and dislocated his shoulder. And the only doctor that had treated him so far was a witch doctor. 
and we had prayed that he did have successful treatment for his shoulder and that he would be able to go back to his his life, his family, as a little shepherd boy. Africa is 19 hours away, multiple flights. Uh, it's, it's difficult to feel comfortable in certain situations there. And we thought we might go swimming in Lake Malawi. Then we learned there were hippopotamuses and alligators. Forget the swimming. Uh, hyenas in Ethiopia, watch where you walk and blasting music every morning, 4.30 in the morning, in Malawi to wake us up, no alarm clocks needed there. But then I ask, how could I not go? How could we not go as a team? Having opportunities to serve our eternal father by caring for his children is a blessing that can only grow in others and in us, and we get to do this. I am Victoria Dick, and Jesus is my eternal father. So I affirm to you that sometimes miracles happen, things we don't understand, things that happen and we don't understand why. Our Eternal Father was present with that team that Vicki spent time with. But I also want to affirm that sometimes things that we consider little aren't little at all. Do you hear one of the things Vicki said? Every day I give thanks to God for what I have. Up to the time that the Israelite people arrived at Horeb and that rock, the Israelite people had water to drink. But now they were in a place that was barren and they were thirsty. All those things that are very important to us, but frankly, me, you, we take for granted. Beauty all around us, sun, rain, flowers, hills, trees, snow. <laughs> Maybe not so much that. <laughs> but things that, that are beautiful, they're little things, but they're not. Our health, our families, our church, that list could go on and on. So many things in this life seem like little things when we have them. But when we don't have them, they grow in importance. Once the water started to gush from the rock after Moses had struck it, one other thing I want you to remember that the Eternal Father made possible, that water was free. They didn't have to get in line and pay so many shekels or dollars or whatever for the water. It was free. Same kind of water in a sense that Jesus offered to the Samaritan woman at the well. Same kind of water that Revelation talks about. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I hope that you can affirm those same things with me. That sometimes miracles happen in our lives. God, our eternal Father, enables things that we don't think possible. Our eternal Father does that. 
I want you to be able to affirm that we need to appreciate the seemingly small things in our lives because they are not small. Can you affirm that the Eternal Father is working in your life every day? And can you affirm that the great spiritual gift of life and our Eternal Father's love is free? All we need do is believe and receive. There are two great stories in the New Testament about fathers. One is the story of Jairus. His daughter was ill. Now remember that Jairus was a synagogue ruler. He should not be asking for the help from a fanatical spiritual leader such as Jesus was. But here's key. Jairus would do anything for his daughter. We parents know about that. Our eternal father knows about that. He would do anything for you. And then in Luke 15, that wonderful story of the prodigal son. And that's one of my favorite pictures of that parable. Can you see the relief on that father's face? As he welcomed back the son who had been so long gone, and he thought maybe forever. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's what our eternal, our everlasting father does for us. Remember that on this third Sunday of Advent. Would you bow with me? Father God, I thank you that we can refer to you as, that we can refer to you as daddy, that we can have that personal relationship with who you are. So may we go forth and tell it. Amen. Please stand as you are able as we close.